Happy Friday, theater lovers. Today's guest, Devin Wales, who persevered with patience and a charming smile through several technical difficulties in the making of this episode, tells us what it is like to make a proper go of the theater life in Canada, including finding an agent, what it's like to audition for shows, how to become part of the actor's equity, and the differences between professional and volunteer rehearsal schedule. He also opens up on why hugs are not his jam, and it might not be for the reason that you think. Before we get started, I want to say a big giant thank you to all who shared the t-shirt sale post. We are selling super spiffy Sarnia famous t-shirts to raise money for the Theatre Sarnia youth group. Incidentally, Devin touches on why theatre is good for kids in this episode if you're looking for a reason to buy one yourself. On with the show. So welcome Devin Wales to Sarnia Famous. I am absolutely delighted to have you here. Um, how we know each other is through Wizard of Oz. I remember one scene with you. I had that horrible, horrible line. I was up on that staircase, and I had to say, I don't even want, like, I don't even want to say it right now because I'm scared I'll say it wrong. And you had your back turned to the audience, and you always had such a twinkle in your eye, like, what are you gonna say this time, huh? Like, how are you gonna screw it up? Um, uh, I'll stuff, I'll stuff a mattress with you. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. The other way around. My is... favorite was my favorite was I'm gonna stuff you with a mattress. <laughs> That's what I was scared of saying again. And the look on your face, you were like, "Oh, really? Now? <laughs> Good luck with that." Well, and I think that, was that right before or right after you had to throw the ball at me? Oh God, that ball! Because that was always lame. hit or miss. Like I, you know, got kicked out of baseball for a reason. I am not. I'm not a sports person, and I'm sure I looked so menacing. Like, okay, are you ready? Here it comes. This ball of flame. Most days it just landed right on me, but every once in a while I'd be like, okay, I'll dive, dive for the painful the ball of flame. <laughs> Uh, and that mm. rickety well it wasn't really that rickety I think it was mostly my imagination because I had the broom there for mm-hmm. balance and I had like a little team of awesome people wheeling me in but every time I was on that stair thing I was like I'm gonna die today <laughs> um you but were I never fine. did I yeah here I am <laughs> Exactly. So it was tricky for us to book because you're such a popular human. What's going on? (laughs) I guess you could say that. (laughs) Uh, So I am working at Canada's Wonderland at the moment. Of course, I do have to say I do not speak for the brand or the company. That is all Cedar Fair. I have my own opinions. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing that since the middle of September every weekend and then we just started rehearsals yesterday for winter so that will be double duty for a while and uh, then I'm done the end of the year and I have zero life plans <laughs> so that actually sounds that's right and what kind of stuff are you doing right now I'm part of the uh, the pumpkin patches it's a five-person singing group <laughs> God, that's so, so cute. <laughs> it's really cute. The costumes are like orange shirts and green pants with little bow ties and like it's all very cute. We sing some very adult songs in front of very small children, so it's interesting. Hmm. What okay. What kind of like what lyrics are we talking about that? Uh, like, like um one song is one song's called Poison Ivy and it's uh one of the lyrics is um late at night when you're sleeping, poison ivy comes a creeping. You can look but you better not touch. It's very much innuendos for STIs. But we're going to ignore that and uh-huh. say it sounds pretty. I don't even know how to how to comment on that, but um that's great. Uh if you would be so kind as to get a photo of you in this like little pumpkin patch oh, thing. I- 
I would be. I think one picture exists. It would make me very, it. very happy. I can either like keep it all to myself, or I can put it on the Instagram page for your Ooh. interview. Well, yeah. Maybe. And um, <laughs> I uh, mean, yeah. I I have some photos from last time I did Winterfest at Wonderland. So uh, with that coming up, I could really promote the crap out of that. Yeah, we just started rehearsals yesterday for Winterfest, a show called Cool Yule. It's actually is a lot of fun. It's like 20 minutes. It's just light and fluffy Christmas music. It's great. So I have some pictures from that that I could probably yes, send please. your way for Instagram. A thousand yeah. times, yes. So, so Wonderland, is that Toronto? Yes. Okay, what's the weather like yeah. in Toronto for this type of stuff? Well, uh, the other day it was raining quite heavily, uh, but for pumpkin patches, we're in a little gazebo, so it's fine. Oh, it just gets cuter and cuter. <laughs> so <laughs> if nobody's there, we're just sitting, we're just singing, and it's great. <laughs> um, it looks beautiful where wherever you are right now. Like you're in, I can see green and lots of trees. I'm and... uh, in my friend's driveway in Hamilton at the moment because okay. I'm very much. I don't like to say the word homeless, but that's what I am. Uh, <laughs> I like I left Sarnia very very quickly. I put all my stuff in my parents' house, and I was like, okay, well, I have this contract to the end of the year. I don't want to get into a year lease in Toronto, so just going to couch surf until then. Um, there's a word, I think it's raconteur, where you travel and um, sing tales, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. I can edit this out later. That's the power <laughs> of my job. I think homeless is not the right word. I feel like you are putting yourself out there. and I like to say nomad is a word I like Ooh! to throw around. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a sexy word too. Mm, yeah, raconteur is not at all. Oh, storyteller, <laughs> storyteller. But for some reason, I, I thought it was like someone who, anyway, we'll just pretend I didn't say that and we'll go I'll with nomad. I'll put it nomad. at the top of my resume. <laughs> raconteur, question mark, question mark. Wales. Depends on your definition <laughs> of the word. Don't look at a dictionary. But that that sounds very exciting to me. So like you're you're making a, a proper go of the, the theater life. Well, I mean, it's been off and on for quite a few years. I guess I can, I, can, I guess I could start at the beginning, like if I. <laughs> Yes, please. If Tell you'd me like. all the things. Okay, yeah. for sure. Uh, so in, in the beginning, I started off being forced into this world by my brother, who is now a big stage manager in the world. He does a bunch of shows all over the place. But it started off with us listening to the good old original cast album of Les Mis. We would rollerblade on our back patio listening to Les Mis. We had the cassette of Seussical the Musical, and I, I very much I fought against music theater until 2005, the Wicked cast album came out, and I was like, oh, this is stupid. And then I would go and listen to it on my own, and uh, <laughs> so it was then. all gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did my first, first show was with uh, Theater Sarnia with Jane James, where I played a sheep in the best Christmas pageant ever. <laughs> I had a little a little hood oh with ears. Gosh. It was... There's a photo of it somewhere. I will not be able to find it, ah! but it does exist. Okay. Um, and then after that, I was in uh, the Annie Warbucks sequel, but I don't think I don't think it's the same one that Bethany did. She said okay. she did an Annie sequel, but I don't think it's the same one because there is two. There's Annie Warbucks, and then there's Annie Miss Hannigan's Revenge. Oh my gosh! Okay, I got some research to do. I. <laughs> uh, and I did that. That was my first musical. I played CJ, who they changed the name to Frank. Okay. And then yeah, then just a bunch of theaters through. High school, I went to college for music theater at St. Clair College. Uh, and then I uh, moved to Toronto for three years, did a whole lot of nothing except auditioning. <laughs> and then I had my heart broken, moved to England for a year. <laughs> 
Wow. Oh, I mean, I also, I lived in LA for a little bit as well uh, during college. Wow. That's so exciting. It was a lot of traveling. And then in the UK, I was part of a, I was a swing for a show there for like a Four Seasons tribute band. I never got to go on until they called me once I moved back and said, hey, are you free this weekend? (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I had quite a few auditions for the Les Mis National Tour over there. And then I moved back to Canada, did Wonderland, did a bunch of shows in Sarnia again, and back to Wonderland. That's the Cliff Notes version. That, I have so much admiration for that. I am not a person who puts myself out there at all. So I'm just sitting here in complete awe of you. And like you're traveling all over and you're just, you're putting yourself out there again and again. And you still have a big, bright smile on your face and a twinkle in your eye. It's it's amazing to me. That's just coffee. I have had a lot of coffee and there's no twinkle in this eye, okay? Come on. <laughs> that's that's you, okay? Being modest. So then, oh gosh, I have like a million questions. My brain is, go- the hamster in my head is like, ah, trying to get them all that's out. That's okay. I have um, other questions. I suck at, I suck at just like stream of consciousness talking. I suck at it. But so. this is, this is, this is what I enjoy because every person I interview has a different style. Um, some folks can just talk for an hour and I'll just sit there and like, and smile. And then other times it puts me on the spot and, and I have to participate a little bit more, which is, is good for me. Get me out of the comfort zone. So then what do you think will be next for you? I have no idea. It's very tough because like we're with COVID, we're still in a, a world where theater is not it doesn't exist very much yet so i know i'm going to i'm trying to go back into the getting an agent thing which is so much fun and <laughs> and then from there i don't know i really don't know my go ahead i was going to ask you if you could tell me more about what it's like to find an agent but i want you to finish your thought too uh well i was going to say um my partner finishes school in april so it's also very dependent on where he wants to go because if he wants to stay up in peterborough then I have some choices to make on where I'm going to be. But who knows? Who knows? But as for getting an agent, when I was in college, we have a um, <laughs> the male lady just walked by. And <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this anyway. poor soul is sitting in his car talking to himself. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> um, anyway, when I was in college, uh, in our third year, we have this big thing called Theatre Ontario, where you, most of your class will go together, you sit in a circle of chairs on a stage in front of a bunch of agents, you do a minute and a half of a song, a minute and a half of a monologue, and that is it. That's your big break from college. So I did that. The only thing I heard back from was uh, the people, um, Dayton Walters Casting, who do uh, the Book of Mormon and stuff like that. I auditioned for them a couple of times, got pretty darn close with that, and then I moved to Toronto and I lost a bunch of weight. And they were like, oh, well, you don't fit the character anymore. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, then a friend of mine became an agent. So uh, I submitted for her and I tried to get in with her agency, but the talent pool she was picking from was ridiculous. So I was like, no, no, it's okay. I understand you're, you got some people to pick from. And now it's just a matter of finding the right fit for me. I'm not a film and television actor. I never will be. It makes me want to vomit thinking about that. (laughs) But I very much want to do stage acting. I'm just getting to like, because I'm almost in my 30s, I'm at retirement age almost for theater. So it's tough. It's a tough call. 
Oh my god, that just made me feel really, really old. Um, 30 is the... Okay, we're just gonna scoot past that, and I'm gonna do an extra <laughs> quarter of oil of Olay later. Because, yeah, you do not look a, a moment before 30 with your cute little baby face, but that's really depressing. Anyway, so, first of all, it sounds like a Canadian Idol audition, like, trying to get an agent. Like, I, I in my mind, I guess, I, I thought it would be more that they are clamoring to get the talent as opposed to the other way around is the the pool of people in Ontario that concentrated that you guys are all fighting against each other I mean we all know each other that's one thing whenever you walk into an audition room it's somewhat annoying because you'll have that group of people who are like oh my god I haven't seen you since school and then they start doing like choreography from their school shows and you're like sit down Susan sit down (laughs) please. Uh, <laughs> so like you have that. So we all, we all know each other because even Brent Wilkinson, he went to high school with a girl that I worked with briefly uh, when I was front of house managing at Drayton Entertainment. And like, she's now doing these huge things and was talking to me about Brent and like, it's, it's all a small little world. But anyway, when agents go to see a show, yes, they will be like, oh, I like that person, I'm going to sign them. But there's not a whole lot of agents, so they can't see every single show. And usually the shows they're going to see are the shows that their clients are in. So, And then, for instance, my friend uh, Kat, who joined the DaCosta Talent, she just started there so she's like we're gonna have an open call to try to fill my roster so that's where it was more of like a canadian idol type of thing where you have 200 people in a room all unemployed looking for work and looking for representation walk into the room sing you have grumpy people looking at you they say thank you and you walk out like (laughs) that's that's that what blows my mind is to hear you say that you're terrified of television and film and yet you are doing all of these incredibly scary live things like what what is it about the film side of it that is scary because it sounds like you could nail that too what i love 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 about theater is when you do it it's done you can't go back and be like oh well i would change this for the next take i would do that famously people know that when videos that don't exist of shows that we do in Sarnia uh, happen, <laughs> I refuse to watch them because I, I it will make my skin crawl. I will watch them if I'm drunk. <laughs> that is it. I yeah. can't do it. I can relate to And that's to all that. film is. That's all film is. You're just watching yourself over and over again. And the camera's right there. And <laughs> and you have someone who's half in costume behind the camera. Whereas with theater, you're in your own little world. And it's that. You have three walls and then a big black wall, black void in front of you. And I'd prefer that. Now that you've, you've explained it that way, I definitely have to agree with you because now I see it. And also have to be very inebriated to watch myself on film. It's nerve wracking. But... Have you, did you watch the Wizard of Oz video ever? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really I remember so. it because, like I said, inebriated. But, yeah, it <laughs> happened. Um, it was a thing. Um, yeah, like, watching you all again in Wiz was, like, reminiscing, like, going... It was nostalgia, pure nostalgia, because I, I loved sitting backstage and listening to all of you sing. The acoustics in the back where my little throne was was <laughs> the perfect. It was just angelic, and it sounded so beautiful. So to watch that part was awesome to watch me every time i watched i walked past with talia and i saw you in your throne like it just made me want to laugh every single time because you'd just be sitting there like tapping your foot (laughs) 
I love that. And we'd be like running with chickens or like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to get to our next spot. And you're just like, mm. do, 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 do. yell a bunch and scoot on out. And y'all were like dancing and singing. And yeah, I, uh, I definitely yeah. had the best, the best gig in that, in that sense, for sure. Okay. So talking about Wiz, I remember, like, like I said, you, you were dancing and singing your little heart out. Um, and is that a common experience with your, your theater? Like, are you always singing and dancing? or is it more one way or the um, other lately it has been a lot of singing and dancing my first show in college was a chorus line which it that's a tough show <laughs> to be on stage for an hour and 45 minutes just singing and dancing and not leaving and not sitting it's a long show i this is really bad and i don't encourage anyone ever to do this but i used to take a couple caffeine pills before the show oh yeah uh <laughs> just pop them back that's where the sparkle come from. Okay, it's the... <laughs> Caffeine pills. <laughs> um, and, like, I remember being on stage, like, we'd get through the opening number, we'd get through the first half of the show, and then we'd have our big montage number, which is just 20 minutes of singing and dancing continuously. And that would finish, and we'd all just be standing in a line, like, looking out and being like... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> because we know we have another 45 minutes of a show to get through. Uh... And it's, I don't know, it's, I love it, but I am very much ready for more roles like in Heather's, where I kind of just walk on, scream my face off a little bit, and walk Uh, out. uh. Like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to play the witch in Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, It's a great role. I highly recommend it. Um, how do you, what do you do to keep your voice strong for all, is that also a caffeine pill thing? Like, do they help with your <laughs> Just <breath>? caffeine. <laughs> no. I know during Wizard, I, Wizard, I had, um, there's a little water bottle backstage that said Devin's Go-Go Juice. Uh, because it's, at that show, it was um, warm water with a couple Ricola dissolved in it. And then uh, a pack of um, the Raspberry Emergency. Oh, okay. That I find mid-show. It just helps clear everything out, gets me nice and ready to sing. But otherwise, it's just a lot of vocal lessons and knowing when to stop and what to do. A lot of lessons. Okay. And the, the lessons, was that like when more when you were a kid or more in your adult life or a little both? Well, I started my vocal training very young with a lot of, trying to think of the proper word, a lot of classical music. Like I was singing a lot of the Queen of the Night from um, Magic Flute stuff when I was really younger because I had a very, very high vocal range. So I did that when I was younger. And then around 13, 14, my voice kind of changed. And I was still hitting all those notes, but then I was starting to sing lower stuff too. And then one day I just lost my voice completely. Like laryngitis lost my voice. And I didn't sing for two years. Oh my god. And I had to learn how to sing again. I was learning what it is to be a tenor. (laughs) And then I took more vocal lessons before going to college. But right before I went to college, there was one day I was just sitting in my car singing. And I was like, oh. What is this placement? How is how am I singing this? And that's when I found out, oh, you can still sing really high and be a guy and here's how to do it safely. And then I went that truck and I am now a tenorino, tenorino. which is like it's a tenor that just sings high. <laughs> that's okay. about it. But when I went to college, I had three great vocal teachers, one of which actually, because we all know each other, knows Bethany Teagues from Windsor. Uh, Jeremy Mossman was my uh, vocal teacher in first year of college. He's done everything. He's friends with Bethany. And then second year, I had Ken Chamberlain, who is terrific. And then third year, 
and part of second year, I had uh, Adrian Marchuk, who was the first Canadian Frankie Valley in uh, Jersey Boys. Yeah, so I just had a string of really good vocal teachers who taught me so much in college. And then because I picked up that information very quickly, I then kept going to vocal lessons because you should never stop ever. And uh, I met Rachel Jackman in Sarnia, who she's now left Sarnia, but we became friends and I would take vocal lessons with her. But it was more of a us working together and being like, let's try this technique. Let's see if this technique works for you. Let's try it on me. Let's see how this works together. And it was more of a building in a new way of teaching each other, which was really fun. Do you feel like being able to have that, what, what was it, Tenorino? Tenorino, yes. Having that yeah. range and being a fella, do you do you feel like that is a secret edge for you? Yes and no. Like for cabarets, it's great. You pull it out of a cabaret and you're like, I'm going to go scream my face off and you're going to go, wow. <laughs> and then when it comes to casting, they're going to be like, great, you can sing that. We don't need it. Oh. So, so there's just not <laughs> and, a, a lot of roles that accommodate that. Not at all. And like mm -hmm. my, my dream role, which I will probably never get to play, but is Mama Rose and Gypsy. Oof, I want to play it so badly. But again, I'm never going to play it. Well, so. that's not the right attitude to have. Just go out there and, and assume you are. And maybe <laughs> that's so but easy I for think... me to say, because as I sit back here, like any of those things. I think the issue, though, is like with the environment and the politics in theater today, it shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. If it's a like I do use he, they pro pronouns, but if it is a female presenting role, it should go to a female presenting person. That's that's where the climate is these days. That's very true. Trying to represent people accurately in roles rather than mm -hmm. taking roles from the, those particular groups and giving them. There's been else. many shows where many shows where I'm like, I will come in and audition for that part. You won't give it to me, but I'm going to audition. <laughs> See, like that level of confidence and tenacity. And if, if anything, it gives you that experience and yes. gets you out there. And, and even if you don't get that particular role, you're still getting your name out. Did the male lady come by again? No, it was uh, my friend's boyfriend just walked by. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe the male lady was like, this guy needs a friend. I'm going to say hello. <laughs> No, I'm not for sure you had a Red Bull there, and I was like oh, so proud for a second. Perrier, if I hold it just the right way, maybe I'll get a sponsorship from Perrier. Can you imagine, like, what you got? Starbucks. Oh, a beautiful purple <laughs> thing there. So Starbucks and Perrier, if you're out there listening, which I'm sure you are, I would love some sponsorships. Why not? <laughs> anyway, back to what we were actually talking about. This is a little deviation there. Um, so where where do you see yourself in the future? Like, where do you project your career that going? That is a good question. Like, obviously, I'm going to keep uh, doing shows for as long as I can. Like, injuries permitting and, like, age permitting and everything like that. But I do have quite a, a big background when it comes to theater administration as well. I have been a front of house manager for Drayton Entertainment for almost six years now. When I was living in the UK, I was the VIP host for the uh, West End opening of Hamilton. And I worked at the Princess of Wales Theatre in Toronto. So like, I do love theatre admin and that side. So that's a possibility. I'm afraid if I do that, it will somewhat almost be sad at the same time because I will get to see every single day people doing the thing that I love to do, but I'm not able to do as much anymore. Fair so it, we'll see. I think it's brilliant, though, to have that kind of backup plan, especially now that I know mm -hmm. that 30 is retirement. I still can't get over that. <laughs> uh, I think it's brilliant, though, to have that in your back pocket to stay involved in the theater in some capacity and yeah. 
perhaps it's just a, a money making thing and then you can still if you're still putting yourself out there you could still get those other roles i mean that's that's the plan i that's yeah. what i have been doing since i left college i do shows every single chance i get and then i will go work in a theater otherwise until yeah. there's a global pandemic and then i work mm -hmm. at a eye doctor oh that sounds like a cool job too uh, do you wear glasses or a contact? i do i was actually i was just thinking that how blind i am right now i'm not like blind blind i just have trouble focusing so it's my glasses are inside and i'm not <laughs> we are not together at the moment it's a good thing i didn't bathe or anything today so i'm kind of glad you're not wearing your glasses you can just pretend that i look you look fine super polished <laughs> um so being of the nomad spirit and it sounds like that you know if you get the inclination that you will jet set at any moment do you have a spot that you'd you'd like to go to next or you think you might take off uh to? like i mean relationship pending like i'm very right. happy with my partner and everything like that i don't see that going anywhere but i've been to london i've been to la i think new york has to be next the only issue with new york is i get there and then i just live there or like I get there and I, I, it's not like I'm gonna get a job right away. I'm a Canadian citizen, so I can't bust tables. Like I would have to work my butt off here in Canada, save enough money to live there for a couple of months, audition for shows and then be like, well, I'm Canadian, so can you pay for my green card? <laughs> like, it would be, yeah, I would love to be able to work in New York and I would love to be able to live in New York. I think that's next on the list, but it's also like, if it happens, it happens. Right. And so a green card, so there's no like working visa that you could get for theater? No. You Well, I actually had a friend of mine recently go through to get their green card to work in the States. She's doing very, very well. Uh, she's on a couple national tours. She just finished Broadway, all that fun wow. stuff, you know, just the small the stuff. The usual. Um, yeah. Like, I don't want to get her head to be too big or anything. <laughs> so she had to prove that she was in the top 25% of the acting field in Canada in order to even apply for her green card. Oh, and then it took, like, three you. years to get. It's, yeah. Okay. How does one go about proving their status in the theater community? You prove it, like, what companies they've worked for, having news clippings, having reviews, everything oh. like that. Consistently working, which in Canada is near impossible. I find it hilarious when I, I'm working on a show or like front of house on a show and people will be like, oh, that person, they're such a great actor, like they're amazing. And then I'm like, oh yeah, you don't know that they work at this restaurant in Toronto when they're not doing shows. And they're hustling. Because they're hustling. Because they don't, in Canada, we don't have, we don't have Broadway. We have regional theaters. They're only open during the summer mostly. And it's in three places so you really have to have a joe job as well as your yeah dream so you can eat is there an acting union or a guild or yeah. anything like that how does that work yeah it's the um it's actors equity so it is a i don't think it's a guild i think it's a union well no it's, i think it's just a union i don't think it's a guild anyway but actors equity which it's one of those interesting ones where to be in actors equity you have to do equity shows but you can't get into actors equity without doing equity shows but the way i like to describe it to people is it's a house party with no doors you're invited to the house party but you can't get in <laughs> sounds fun okay i'm processing that and plus i i threw the word guild out there i think maybe because i played too much dungeons and dragons with my husband I, as soon yeah. as it came out i was like is that a thing in real life or is that just like it a is a thing in real life and i'm picturing the actor actors equity like logo and i'm imagining I'm the word, imagine word guild in there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, because to get your actor's equity card, you have to do a 
certain number of actors equity shows or there's sometimes this magical contract where when you sign it to do a show it automatically gives you your equity card but in order to be seen for equity shows you typically have to be a member of equity so it sounds kind of like a chicken and egg kind of scenario very very much so so they're not making it easy for you guys so have you ever thought about like citizenship in the u.s is it easier in the u.s uh it's yes and no there's way more opportunity in the u.s but it's also way more people doing it in the u.s because yeah. in the u.s everyone's a tiktok star everyone's a youtube star so you have to fight through all of those and yeah there's more opportunity but there's also a bigger playing field have, have you gotten into the the tiktok and youtube world uh, i watch them religiously i, I watch tiktoks them. religiously <laughs> i don't post them uh, youtube on the other hand i maybe i shouldn't say it never mind <laughs> there let's just let's just say there are videos of mine on youtube but it's mostly when i was in college i made a little series called hey future what that was was videos i made and posted of my friends and of me and of doing shows so 40 years from now i can watch them and see what i did i didn't care if anybody watched them i still don't care if anybody watched them it's so i can see what was happening at that time and occasionally i'll still post a new one just to be like this is happening now but it doesn't happen too often anymore but they exist they're out there it's a thing don't watch them please <laughs> <laughs> i don't care if people watch them don't watch them please <laughs> that's a little mixed message there i love that idea though of talking to your your future self and hopefully at some point you know we can look back on what we've done and accomplished and be proud of that and obviously you can see your future self being proud of present self which is is lovely yeah i mean the other issue though is the stuff that i'm really proud of is stuff that i can't record and post online because um we're just with contracts you're not allowed for instance working for wonderland and the cedar fair company right now i have to get approval even to post instagram pictures really i, I guess mm -hmm. that makes sense though because they're trying to maintain the brand as soon as i do they will go back and look at all of my instagram posts to make sure a picture that involves them is on a site that reflects how they feel entirely yeah. like for instance they don't want to see like a picture of them and then go down and see like a uh, kicked puppy like they don't want that to be <laughs> mixed we together we do not align with the kicking of puppies <laughs> okay yeah no that makes sense and that makes me wonder if that's something that i should be cognizant of as well i mean all of the photos and stuff that i get from you guys mm -hmm. are what you provide to me but i mm -hmm. certainly don't want either of us to be in trouble so maybe that's something that i should be i mean the, i have one picture uh on my instagram from last time i did wonderland so like pre-approved what are your experiences with working with with kids in theater i haven't done it much so when with wizard of oz that there wasn't a whole lot of overlap because there's a lot of kids. Not really at all. Like, uh, you dealt with the kids far more than I did. Um, the, just terrified them and yelled at them. That was well, it, the extent. In the, munch, <laughs> in the munching scene, I was getting my face beat. And oh, you were... <laughs> You were yelling at them. There were so many kids that were like scared of me. I got messages from like parents or whatever. Like, I'm trying to show that you're a real person and that you're not actually a wicked witch in real life. And Aww. and I'd be like, hey, little human, I'm not going to, you know, stuff a mattress with you or anything like that. Don't worry. But I guess like they're, they're in a, an environment where they're terrified to begin with. And then they have this person yelling at them who's wearing all black with a green face yeah. like i would be terrified too just make it <laughs> i mean i was all over. terrified <laughs> i was terrified 
I never knew where you were going to throw that ball or what you were going to call me. <laughs> where am I going to have to dive <laughs> to get hit with this? I was covered in bruises for that show. Oh, actually, I do have one story for that show Please. that I love so much just because it's Wizard of Oz. I call it my Judy Garland moment. It was our, our school show. I walked in and I felt so sick disgustingly sick i walked up to the asm kate hardy who was my roommate and she was like oh no this does not look good i walked up to her and i went who do we have to radio to get every drug in this building like i was throwing up i felt so gross we just filled me with drugs pushed me on stage every time we ran off stage for like yellow brick road or anything like that i would run past a garbage can just in case and then when i was doing my uh tap shoe quick change I think there was a garbage can there, just in case. It was wow. a lot of, yeah, was, I'd like to call it my Judy Garland moment. I mean, I obviously had no idea, so I assume the audience had no idea either, which is kind of incredible, right? I hope not. That, my no, cartwheel was know. real iffy that day. <laughs> it was really iffy. I sincerely, I, I doubt that they did have any idea, because um, I, I know moments that I've had and they're been friends or family in the audience and I'll be like did you notice when I really screwed this part up and they're like what no why no so I think we're a lot more critical but I can't believe like I had no idea that you could have because there was I think there was a garbage can beside my throne and I would have been a little traumatized if you to come running by and then just kept on running like that would have been a a weird moment for me I would have waved at you after Well, I actually oh, my have a word. question for you, because like I feel like we oh, all dear. you all talk at us and and like ask questions of us, but like, what is your? Because I guess it'll allude to something I'll talk about after. But what's your experience with um, going into the lobby after a show? How do you feel about that scenario? I, I've never really done it. For Miracle, we did have the school shows and we did like the Q and A after, and I loved that. I I really enjoyed having the questions from the kids. And there was a character from Monsters Inc., which is actually one of my favorite shows because I'm a child at heart. What the hell's her name? Are you familiar with Monsters Inc.? Well, my boyfriend and I might be Sully and Boo for Halloween this year. Oh my god, stop it! I'll need that picture too, please, very much. It's so cute. If it happens, Um, look at it. uh, The lady that gets, you gotta file your paperwork, that lady? What the oh, hell what's is her name? name? I can't think of it. Shame on is me. Is it Muriel or something? Something yeah. like that. Anyway, the kids were like, oh, did you base your character on off that? And I was like, no, like not at all. That That's awesome that you thought of that. So I really enjoyed that. But um, I never really went out into the lobby because I was too scared. Theater for me is an opportunity to be anyone but myself. And mm-hmm. I feel like when you get out into that lobby, you are back into that world where you are you. And it's it's not really my jam. What I about 1, yourself? 1,000% agree. Really? Like, I, I will put on a hoodie, I will put on, like, a hat, and I will leave through the back door and walk down the alley so I don't have to talk to people. I find it to be the most uncomfortable situation. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And, like, it comes off as me being a huge diva, which, like, yes, but... <laughs> but it's also I I think I hate the fact that it feels like false pleasantries. I just when you feel obligated to say good job to someone and I'm like I don't want you to feel obligated. In fact, I don't want you to say anything. I'm just doing what I like to do and that's it. Goodbye. Well, I mean, the reason we're all doing this is because we didn't get enough love in our childhood. Like, <laughs> I needed more hugs when I was a kid. Mom, if you're listening, it's not true. I love you so much. Mom, you're, if you're, you're listening, you know what you did. 
start stepping up the hug department. Oh, oh no, I, I hate hugs. I oh, hate hugs. It's equal. Hugs are equal to me walking into a lobby after the show. I would rather not. So the pandemic was good for you then. You were like, finally, Terrific. people needed was, to stay the heck away from me. Especially theater people. They're always so touchy and I'm like, uh, no. So is that just in, in general, like all the time or, or more all so in time. a show or okay. all the time? Like in a show, I will touch people if I have to. Like, I mean, if it's in the Sam script. Reagan, Sam Reagan had to do a lot of things to me during Heather's. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's fine. It happens. <laughs> do you want to talk about like why that is? Or is that just more of a it's just more of a personal thing like i just i don't know i guess i'm so because i have so many insecurities and because i have a very hard time trusting people when Mm -hmm. it comes to people hugging i'm like why like are are you just doing this to be courteous or do you enjoy hugging people like do we actually have this connection i don't even know you why are you hugging me all these things run through my head like being self-guarded oh definitely hearing from that just so you know I have personal space issues. Mm-hmm. So if I ever go to give you a hug, it's genuine. So oh. like, and it's cool if I can like just air hug around you a little bit so that I still kind of feel like I'm giving you a hug, but you don't feel the the touch of another human. It's not necessarily even the touch. I think it's just the idea of the gesture that I'm like, this huh. is weird. Like I would a handshake any day. Okay. <laughs> it keeps okay. distance. Bring back the handshake. Um, yeah, bring back the handshake. Handshake 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Handshake two years ago, um, or a year ago. We're both just firing on all today. Uh, yeah, I um the people that are in my life that I am comfortable with, I I definitely an overtoucher. But mm. if I don't trust you and I don't, I think it, I align with that in terms of like, why are you hugging me? Is there an ulterior yeah. motive? That's exactly it. As to it, huh? Interesting. And then Interesting. I also feel when someone's hugging you, you can't see their face. So that mask can just drop and you don't know because I've seen other people do it. I've seen it happen. So you've been on like the back end of a, that sounded weird, standing a few feet away from a hug and seeing that person go from being like, "Ah!" exactly. Wow. Now I think I, I, my perspective on hugs has changed ever so slightly. It also, I like having the uh, persona of people fearing me a little bit. I like it. Okay. Only because I I get a lot that people are like, oh, you're really intimidating. I'm like, yes, that's the point. Like, <laughs> that's that's the idea. Because in my mind, I'm intimidating, but I will never be mean or rude to someone for the sake of being mean or rude. I like to be intimidating to make sure I'm getting the most genuine side of you. And then once you're in my little bubble, like everybody else, watch out if you do anything to that person because I'm here. That's awesome. <laughs> It's, it's again this is such an interesting thing how people in the theater have a lot of commonalities and yet there's a lot of these different ways that we approach life and and protect ourselves mm-hmm. from the outside world oh. are you gonna like start a doctorate in theater now like is this your is this your phd oh, <laughs> my parents are both extreme realist and i come from a bigger city in alberta and i wanted to go into theater for education and they both kind of sat me down and were like do you want to be able to eat do you want to be able to pay your bills because don't do that if that's the case well mom look at me now <laughs> uh yeah still not paying my bills with the theater that's what hey show and then and like i mean that with utmost love and respect for both my parents because if i had turned around and said 
but this is what I'm destined to do, they would have fully supported me 1000%. But when they said that, and they alluded to the difficult struggle and and how like what you're going through and how hard you have to advocate for yourself, they knew that I wasn't that type of person. And it would have been really hard on me. So they were trying to help me to realize that that would be a hard life. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. very grateful to them for that. And so now I can come back to it as an adult and enjoy it more as a hobby. And with the added pressures. Pressure is not something that's good for me. So I know a lot of people thrive on it. It seems like you thrive on it. You, you're you able to go out there and... Well, yeah, well, actually, what you were just saying did bring up two thoughts for me. Like one, I was very, very lucky in the sense that my brother is four years older than me. When I went into high school, he started his technical theater track and his stage management track and my parents probably I don't know if they ever did had the conversation with him of are you sure you want to go into theater and make this your career because he went to a semester of university for technical theater and then he dropped out and he's been working as a stage manager ever since but I because I know I had very lighter conversations with my parents of them being like yeah no like you go out there you try you do it and if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do and so I was very very lucky in that sense so like that was one thing that came up with your discussion about your relationship with theater and your parents but the other thing that I thought of was theater being a hobby is I can't see it that way because I went to school for it because I have the training and stuff I do I can get very frustrated in a rehearsal room in Sarnia because I I can sit there and be like this four-hour rehearsal could have been a 10-minute meeting (laughs) like let's go but at the same time there's also nothing like being in a community theater rehearsal room where you have people who are a welder during the day and they come in and they're singing and dancing at night like that is brilliant I love that and it's just a matter of I have to go into the room and go no one's getting paid to be here they're doing this because they need an outlet and so that's my thoughts on it (laughs) though I do still get frustrated if I'm if I'm like okay this 20 minutes of banter should be done so we can finish this dance number (laughs) let's get stepping I can see that if that's what you're accustomed to because I assume in a more professional setting yeah like it, how, how does that compare to a community theater a rehearsal structure professional theater or like outside of community theater what I would lo- and something I would love to incorporate if I ever did get the chance to direct at uh, theater Sarnia which we'll get into I have a conversation to have with you I love waking up in the morning going to rehearsal at 10 finishing at 5 30 or 6 and then doing that again and doing that five days a week I love that yesterday I was talking with a friend in Wonderland and like I love the fact that we get to say I'm going to work and go sit in a room and sing whereas with community theater is you're doing it three days a week four hours in the evening and it's over four months instead of eight hours a day for three weeks it's a very big like I've I've had (laughs) 10 of 12s which is you're at a theater for 12 hours and you're rehearsing for 10 of those hours but I love those days those are the days where you get to sit on the stage during your tech run and wait for your next cue while the tech is all happening and like and get the work done because you're building something that can be beautiful and I love that whereas with community theater I feel like it's one thing that I think should be bridged is the gap between performance and technical in community theater is huge because a lot of the technical work is done when the actors aren't there whereas with more professional theater you're working hand in hand and side by side the whole time okay so you said something about directing yes I know I I even wrote that down I don't know if you saw me I was like (laughs) I did forget that. I, you and Bethany were talking about a, a show that I've 
always wanted to direct. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors has been a dream show to direct. It's the only show I will pay money to see every single time. Like, uh, when I was living in the UK, I saw the Regent Park production three times in a week. Because I was just like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) I love that show. Actually, I have asked to direct it in the past and it hasn't happened but that's okay um please keep asking we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see it uh, depends on where i am if i'm in sarnia yes right but then at the same time i'm like if anybody touches my baby (laughs) (laughs) that gives me even more hope that it'll happen uh that is definitely hands down my favorite favorite musical Uh, like i feel like i would take singing lessons for that show heck yes although I don't know that I'm ready for the eight hour a day singing in a room. That sounds terrifying. And I love that your face lit up when you talked about that. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't like for community theater, you can't necessarily do that, but I would love to be able to have a rehearsal process with community theater, especially if I was to direct a kid show or even a teen show that gives them the idea of a eight hour rehearsal day where you learn the song in the morning, you learn the dance that night, and then you might not touch that song and dance for another couple of weeks but you have to remember it. and But then it's just one chunk is done in a day and it's just done instead of doing half of a scene and then being like, okay, well, next Tuesday when we have the music director again, we'll be doing the rest of this scene. Like, no, get it done in a day, in the bag, out of the way. And that would give a more realistic perspective of the industry if people are actually thinking of branching off into being more of a professional. And I do think the camaraderie that you would develop in longer rehearsals, that was something that I felt like, although I loved that Wiz was a small commitment for me because I had a lot going Mm -hmm. on at the time, I did notice the difference. Like when I was involved in Miracle, I was there for all of the rehearsals at all times, even if I wasn't really needed. But I loved that because I didn't have as much going on in my life. So I could commit to Mm -hmm. that and I could enjoy that part of my life. And if it was your career and your, yeah, like I could see how that would be very beneficial to the quality of the show if you could immerse yourself into those portions of it. And like what I find interesting as well, again, another two-part answer I have here is the commitment kids can have to theater and if you give them the chance is ridiculous when i finished my first year of college i like as i said i did a chorus line and then i was like oh i'll go back to my old high school and i'll teach a class for the day and so i taught them part of the dance from a chorus line which is not easy but because they could see my passion towards it and because i was reaching them on their level they were doing amazingly they were getting the dance they were getting the information and it was terrific to see that kids can do it if you don't baby them and that's exactly what theater is is you're not babying anyone you have no time for that there's no time to be like okay then you step touch do you know how to step touch (laughs) there's no time for that it's if you can't step touch get to the back we'll get someone else get out (laughs) (laughs) goodbye we'll call your agent you're not on the show anymore (laughs) obviously not with kids but i know the new youth coordinator um mulan burke i went to college with her and i've done a couple shows but mulan burke she uh is now the youth coordinator and i feel like she will probably introduce longer rehearsal days so kids can get an idea of what the real world is like with um, youth groups in the past is yes we've had people who are in the industry working but Mulan has been 
in the industry. And it's better to give kids the idea of what is out there than to be like, yeah, you rehearse in the evenings three times a week, and then you do your show. That's not the real world. The first time I did Canada's Wonderland, I was called on a Wednesday evening. I was told, you're going to be doing this show tomorrow night. Here's the material. You'll meet with the music director tomorrow morning. You'll meet with the choreographer tomorrow afternoon, and then you'll be in the show tomorrow night. And it's that's that's the real world of theater. Wow. You, it happens fast. That's wild. Well, okay, I, I have taken a lot of your time today, more than I had definitely had planned on doing more technical difficulties, but thank you for only being a little bit of a diva about the technical difficulties. Like just Oh, no, like I'm, a I'm a self-proclaimed diva, so <laughs> you will be getting the invoice of my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, payroll for Sarnia Famous is pretty limited. I uh, tell people that I can pay them in hugs. So for you, maybe we'll have to do, we'll have to work something else out there. But before we go, is there any side hustles you want to promote or anything you want to talk about? No side hustles at the moment. But of course, if anybody is looking for something to do on the weekends starting November 13th, come up to Winterfest, come see good old Cool Yule. Get some unlimited hot chocolate and see some Christmas lights. And uh, yeah, and visit me, of course. Of co- oh, right. That. I heard free hot chocolate. And then I was like, oh, no, we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I was. I wish I was that kind of diva. I can't. <laughs> no, no. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time with me. This was great. No problem. Thank you. Okay, that's it for today. Don't forget to visit Devin at Canada's Wonderland Winterfest. Now on through till December 31st. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.